You are listening to the CMC podcast series, Strong Life. In this exciting new series, the pastors of CMC will impart powerful principles that will enable you to live the strong life that God has destined for you. Now join Associate Pastor David Pate for the message, Strong Potential. Welcome to church. Welcome to our midweek service. Excited to wrap up our series that we've been doing on Strong Life. I hope that you have enjoyed it. I know as a team, we have all enjoyed it. And so we're excited about wrapping this up tonight. So um, let's go ahead and jump into this. We're going to end the series talking about strong potential. Talking about strong potential. And when we opened up the series, we did it with, a concept, with the concept that a different life is possible. For us, as Christ followers, a different life is possible, a strong life is possible. In fact, in John 10:10, 10, 10, Jesus said that He had come to give us life and life more abundant. We talked about in the first session, you don't have to live that way. How you don't have to live depressed. You don't have to live in turmoil. You don't have to live in a home where there is fighting. You, you don't have to live where, where you are insecure and frustrated with yourself. You don't have to live that way. That's not the life that Christ came to this earth for us to have. In this Strong Life series, our goal was to show the life that was possible through God's Word. That, that was our goal. L- last week, Pastor Paul talked about strong faith and that, that we can have that. We were, each, each and every Wednesday night, it was about opening up a different area, a different key in the Word that is possible for us. But possibility doesn't mean guarantee. Possibility means might not. Possibility does not mean guarantee. I want to take you back, and for some of you it may not be that far uh, that, that too long ago. I want to take you back to junior high science class. Junior high science class, if, if some of you can remember junior high, some of us it's a little bit more of a struggle than others, but junior high science class, there was a teaching on two types of energy. Do you remember that teaching? If you studied, if you paid attention, if you weren't asleep, good news is for many of you, you weren't on your cell phones because they weren't invented yet, but Two types of energy, kinetic energy and potential energy. Potential energy, if you remember, was energy in storage. It was not actual yet or real yet, but it had the capacity to be real. It had the capacity to develop into something in the future, potential energy. Number two was kinetic energy which was energy in motion. It was energy that was no longer in the potential stage, but it was energy that was actually happening. It was, it, there was something in reality that was happening. It was, it was making progress. That, that is kinetic energy. And I want everyone in here to know, tonight as we wrap up this series, that you have unlimited potential. You have all kinds of of potential, but it can't sit in the potential stage forever. We have to begin to, to move it into reality. 
In this series, our goal was to challenge you to realize your potential and then take that potential and apply it and do something with it and begin to see fruit in your life. But you will have to do something with it. What will you do with your potential? Will you keep it stored up or will you put it into motion? What we're going to talk about tonight is strong potential. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. I want to jump into this. I want to look at, to me, one of the greatest moments of potential that turned into one of the saddest moments uh, for many of God's people uh, into Numbers 13. So hopefully that excites you as you're turning there. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. Numbers is the fourth book. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. It says, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Verse 7. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. Find out whether the people uh, living there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land that they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? Do their towns have walls? Or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile, poor? Are there many trees? Do, Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. So it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes, So they went up, explored the land from Wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near Labo Hamath. Going north, they passed the Negev, arrived at Hebron, where Ahimon, Shishaiah, and Talmai, and all the descendants of Anak lived. It's a very phonetically long word. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large... It took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. That's some grapes right there. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster, because the cluster of grapes, the Israelite men cut there. So if you get the picture, the promised land that God was giving them was amazing. Verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of the Israel of Kadesh, the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report. We are in the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country of land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large, fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. They were, they were huge. We even saw giants. There, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, it's amazing when you read this. 
Because God told them in verse 2, if you remember, what did God say to his people? God said, I am giving you the land. Do you know what that translates to back in the Hebrew? It translates to, I am giving you the land. He did not say, go check it out and see if you might get it. He said, I want you to go check out what I am giving you. Go check it out. I am giving this to you. Why didn't they take the land? Right here, it's because they didn't take things from the potential stage to the kinetic stage. They didn't take things from potential to reality. See, the land was potentially theirs, but they did not take it. Think about what could have been the life for so many of God's people. Think about what could have been their life. There was so much potential, but they did nothing with it. And it you know, it's one thing to know what's possible, and it's a whole other thing to possess it. It's one thing to know what's possible in your life, with your friends, in your marriage, in your future. It's one thing to know what's possible in your job with relationships, but it's a whole other thing to walk it out in reality. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, because as Christ followers, sometimes we're better at professing than we are at possessing. If you've grown up in the church very long, you are really good with churchy, catchy phrases. You are really good with, with, with saying little catchy, churchy type things, but, but, but we're not as great at possessing churchy, Bible-y things. We're better at talking about what God has for us than we are at taking what God has for us. And I see more Christians excited about what God has for them instead of experiencing what God has for them. And that's a sad way to live, but that's exactly what God's people did right here as they looked at the promised land. Think about who entered the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, and then everybody else younger than them. Joshua and Caleb, they were the ones who put into action what God told them to do. They experienced what God had for them. See, potential doesn't always translate into reality. As I said when we started tonight, everybody in this room has potential. Every single person. I don't care what your past is like, and neither does God. What he cares about is what your future is like. But everybody in here has potential. It does not mean that we're going to translate it into reality. And our challenge to you through this series is, will you be someone who saw and talked about the promises of God, but never lived and tasted them on a daily basis? Because that's what, that's what God's people did right here. They saw the promises of God, but they never experienced them in their lives. And you know when you never experience the promises of God, you think the promises of God are lies. When it's not the promise that's the problem, it's the lack of, of walking out what God has said for us. It's the lack of obedience to his word. Will we be someone who saw the promised land and thought, I could never overcome that? Will we be someone who saw it and thought, that's too much, that's too tough, that's too big of a problem, I have too many unanswered questions. How can I follow a God that I have too many unanswered questions? You know, because God didn't empty the land for me, that I'm not going to walk in it. And that's, that's basically what these other ten spies wanted. They wanted God to empty the land for them. And as a result, many died in the desert, a woulda, coulda, shoulda Christian. Well, not Christian because they weren't Christ followers, but follower of God. 
But I imagine Joshua and Caleb, I just get this picture because Think about it. Joshua and Caleb went in by themselves as far as their generation, and then the, 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 the older generation did not walk in with them. And I could only imagine, I get this picture of Joshua and Caleb sitting around in the coffee shop drinking a latte, talking to each other and saying, do you remember so-and-so? Yeah, I remember so-and-so. Do you remember Jebediah? Yeah, I remember Jebediah. Had a lot of goats. And he had a lot of potential. Yeah, but he just couldn't walk in it. You know, I mean, do you think they reminisced? Do you think they had moments where they said, do you remember so-and-so? Do you remember so-and-so? Yeah, man, they would really love the promised land. Man, that guy was funny. I wish he was here now. You're not as funny as him, you know. But they, see, they had potential. But strong life is possible doesn't mean that we're going to possess it. Because, see, it takes work. It takes sacrifice. It takes saying no to things. It takes risk. It takes having faith. It it takes walking in obedience. We all have strong potential, but we can't keep it in storage and sit back and do nothing with it. And so I want to throw out four things as we close this series today to help us go from the potential stage to the reality stage with God's Word. And to do that, I want you to turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, we're going to look at the moment where Jesus fed a few people. John chapter 6, starting in verse 3, it says, Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around them. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turned to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough food to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. "Uh, There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and a few fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and he distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces, filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So here's the situation. Is these people are following Jesus, got a lot of people around him, and it's time to eat, but there is nothing to eat. People were hungry, and Jesus said to feed them. What was the first question that basically he asked his followers? He said, what do we have? What do we have? And the disciples, in fact, it was Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, he looked at Jesus and he said, all we have are five loaves and a few fish. And I went out and went fishing Earlier today, and shrink wrapped them already uh, for you guys. I didn't want the smell of fish to bother you, so we quickly did that. And I put a price on them in case anybody wants to buy them from me. But um, uh, anyway, got a, got a few fish here and, and a few loaves. Jesus said, "What do you have?" And they all we have are this. Basically, what they were saying is, "All we have is nothing." Basically, it's what they were saying. All we have. They they said, Andrew said, but what good is this with this large 
crowd. What good is this? I want to look at four keys to taking potential into reality. The first key is we have to see the value in what we have. The first key to to taking things from the potential stage to the reality stage in our lives is we've got to see the value of what God has placed in our hands. We have to see the value in what God has placed down in each and every one of our spirits in our giftings. The first key to a strong life is we've got to see our value. You you think, some, some of you, maybe you've heard this series and you think this series is for someone else because you've allowed your flesh to define your value. And we can never let our flesh define our value in who we are because Jesus has a different system of measurement than the world does. The world throws things up on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and the news or whatever you watch. or what, the, 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 the world throws it up and they says you have to look like this, you have to be like this, you have to make X number of dollars. If you don't do this, if you're not this athletic, if you're not this pretty, then you have no value. And so a lot of times we, we hear that we have potential, but we look at our neighbor and we think that's really for them. They're the ones with, with potential. See, what we have, all we have is this. But here's what I want everybody to know tonight. What you have is all you need. What you have is all you need. Jesus said, what do we have? Five loaves, two fish. You know what Jesus basically said? Perfect. See, the disciples said, we have nothing. And Jesus said, perfect. So it wasn't what you had. It was how you see what you have. See, it's how you value. And, and as Christ followers, we got to stop looking at someone else and wishing we were them. God doesn't need what you don't have. Some of you need to hear that today. God does not need what you don't have. If God needed you to have something that you don't, he would have given it to you. Well, I don't have what they have. Well, I don't have that. You don't need that. In fact, if you had it, it would be a waste. And God is not a God of waste. See, we've got to say, well, I'm not as pretty as she is, or I'm not as smart as he is, I'm not as athletic, or or, no one notices me, or I don't matter, I'm not as young as they are, how can I be used by God, or I'm not as old as they are, how can I be used, or maybe even I messed up a long time ago in my life. See, what we do is we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. We look in the mirror and we're disappointed by what, we, by what we see. And I want to encourage everybody as we end this series, stop believing the lie that you see in the mirror. Stop believing the lie that every time God tries to drop a seed in your heart that he wants to grow, the enemy steals it before it has a chance to grow. See, the first thing that we got to do is we got to see our value. We got to start seeing what we have as all we need. God made, made us perfect just the way we are. God does not make trash. He only makes perfection. And we have to see our value, number one. Number two. Number one, see our value. Number two, you got to take what you have to Jesus. Number two, you got to take what you have to Jesus. See, what do we have? All we have is five loaves and two fish. That's all we have. That's all I have. Perfect. That's awesome. See the value in that and take it to Jesus. See, once we see our value, then we got to take it to Jesus. Because one reason we don't see our value is we're trying to be valuable in our own strength. Anytime you try to be valued in your own strength, it'll never work because you're missing the power 
that it takes to operate what God gave you. See, without Jesus, we don't have the power to use our value. And so maybe one reason you don't see your value is you're trying to be valuable in and of yourself. we got to take our value to Jesus. See, when he took it to Jesus, he multiplied it. What they had was perfect. Five loaves was perfect. But they had to take it to Jesus. Jesus said, perfect, bring it to me. They took it to him and they fed over 5,000 people. All Jesus wants is for us to bring us what we have and he will do the rest. I want to ask you today, what do you have? What do you have right now? What opportunities do you have? Maybe they're small. Maybe they're really small. It doesn't matter. But they're opportunities. And we've got to be faithful with the opportunities that we have. See, they were faithful with the little that they have. And Jesus multiplied them. See, right now we all have opportunities. What are we doing with them? Number three, if you have value and you're taking it to Jesus, then the third thing you've got to do is you've got to protect your value. You got to protect your value. Everyone has so much potential to do something great, but the problem is when you don't see your potential, then you think in your mind it doesn't matter what you do. See, when you think you're nothing, you act like you're nothing. When you think you have no value because you haven't taken it to Jesus, then you act like you have no value. See, when you think you're trash, you live like you're trash and you act like you're trash. See, why does it matter what I do? Why does it matter what I look like or, or, or what I look at? Why does, it, why does it matter what I put into my body or where I go or who I'm with or what I say if I'm trash? Right? See, what do you have? All I have is this. Doesn't matter what I do with it. See, what, what do you have? All I have is this. Doesn't matter what I do with it. See, why? Because I'm nothing. See, when we don't see our value, then we don't protect our value. And so then our value is gone before we even got a chance to give it to Jesus and let him use it and multiply it. See, why does everyone care what I do? See, I go to church. Everybody's talking about it matters what I do with my life. See, it matters because you're valuable. See, every, every girl, every woman in this room needs to know you have value. Protect that. You have value. Protect that. Every man in this room has to know you have value. Protect that. Guard that. Watch over that value. Because in time, as you give it to Jesus, he will multiply it. It may not look like much now, but in time, he will multiply it. So you got to guard it now. we got to guard our value. See, the world wants to use us and throw us away, but God wants to use us and make us amazing. But we got to guard our value. I want to ask you, what are you going to do with what you have? It may not look like much, but you have strong potential if we'll just guard what we have. Let me ask you this. What do you do with valuable things? You hide them. You lock them away, right? You protect them. That's exactly what we've got to do with our lives. Teen Challenge, I'm glad you're here for the finish of this series. In fact, I was talking to a couple of guys early that were giving me strong encouragement about tonight. But you guys, don't think that you've already thrown your value away. You've got to protect it. Teen Challenge is a reboot. It's a restart. It's a great moment to get you on track. See your value. Take it to Jesus and then guard your value. We've got to protect what we have. And the fourth one, the last one, 
The fourth key to turning our potential into reality is we got to do something with what we have. We got to do something with what we have. Potential's in the sitting stage, kinetics in the action stage. We got to do something with what we have. See, Jesus did something with the fish and the loaves, He multiplied them. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Don't just listen to God's word, but you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. And we have a lot of Christ followers that are fooling themselves because they know the word, but they don't live the word. We have a lot of Christ followers that are only fooling themselves because they think they're somewhere that they're really not. Verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. As we wrap up this Strong Life series, we want you to know it's not enough to know about this series, but we got to put it into action. we got to do something with the Word of God. We've got to apply it to our lives because we're blessed in what we do. We're not blessed in what we know. We're blessed in what we do. And you know, as Christians, we always feel better about what we know, but we're not actually better. It's only as we apply it to our lives. And I don't know about you, but I always feel better when I leave church. But, 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 I haven't, but, but we haven't done anything yet until we apply it to our lives. One of the reasons that we don't see what we have is we're not doing anything with what we have. You know, it's hard to see your value if you're not doing anything with what you have. And so it seems like you have no value, but the only problem is you're just not doing anything with what you have, with your giftings. You're not applying it, it because we're too busy wishing that we had something else that we throw away what we have we got to quit wishing. we, we got to quit wishing that we were someone else or doing something else. Too many people are mad about the opportunities they don't have instead of multi- multiplying the opportunities they do have. we got to start multiplying our opportunities. Because you know if you multiply, if you multiply it over and over, you're little, it starts to grow. You multiply the little you have. See, people who are always multiplying 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, all of a sudden, you look back and you think, "How did, I cannot even believe where I started because I took the little that I had and I multiplied it over time. But see, when you see your value and you give it to Jesus and you protect it and you start doing something with what you have, then the strong life that Jesus came to give us begins to become a reality and it leaves the potential stage. I want to bring all this together with something that many of my students will have seen before, but I think it's one of my absolute favorite visual aids, and it's the paperclip. I don't know if you have ever thought about a paperclip. I don't know if you ever see infomercials or things online that are new inventions, and you think in your mind, I could have invented that. But when I look at the paperclip, Now, when I look at, like, the laptop computer and the iPhone, I never think in my mind, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) But when I look at things as complex as the paperclip, in my mind, I always have the thought of, I could have thought of that. I always have the thought of, I could have invented that. I mean, you think about the man who invented the paperclip. In fact, some debate late 1800s, early 1900s, but the man who invented the paperclip. Think about how much money has been made through generations of the paperclip. Think about where is the paperclip? Every school, every office, every government building, pretty much every home. I mean, the paperclip is everywhere. The paperclip is almost as popular as the ant. 
You know what I mean? I mean, they're like everywhere. The, the, the paperclip is amazing. Think about what it is. Think about the fact that someone took this three-inch piece of wire. That's all this is. This is a three-inch piece of wire. And they bent it once. Then they, kept, they got crazy and they kept going. And they bent it again. And they got really creative. And they bent it a third time. And they came up with the paper clip. It's pretty good. They came up, been working on my illusion <laughs> skills. How many times have we walked across a paper clip? Seen it on the ground. If it was like this and you saw it on the ground, you would step on it, you maybe, you maybe wouldn't even see it. Maybe you would pick it up if you really were responsible and you would throw it away. But if you saw this on the ground, you would think in your mind, what? Trash. But somebody walked past this three-inch piece of wire, folded it three times, and made gazillions of dollars. It's a lot of dollars. But see, they saw this three-inch piece of wire. You know what they saw? Potential. A lot of people walked past this and saw nothing. They saw trash. But someone walked past it and saw potential. See, the problem is we don't see the value in what we have. And we don't take the, we don't take the valuable things that we have and give them to the Creator and let Him make them. And then we don't protect them, and then we don't do anything with them. And so all we see is trash. I want to challenge you tonight. See the value that you have. Take what you have to Jesus. Don't try and do it on your own. That's a, that's a life full of frustration. Don't try and live life on your own. Protect it. Guard what you have. And then do something with what you have. Multiply it. I want to ask you, what do you have? Because what you have is all you need. What do you have? Oh, well, I've thrown away those opportunities. That's impossible. If you are still alive, you still have potential. There is no such thing as throwing away opportunities. There may be missed opportunities in the past, but there are unlimited opportunities in the future and the present. we got to stop looking in the mirror and being disappointed with what we see. Who told us that we were nothing? We've got to stop believing the lie because Jesus wants to take what we have and make it amazing. I hope that every time that you see a paperclip, which is just about everywhere that you go, I hope that every time that you see a paperclip, that you will be reminded at the potential that God has placed inside of each and every one of us. Because it looks very simple. It looks like nothing. But it's actually unbelievably valuable. Every single person in this room and every single person listening on podcasts has strong potential. But we've got to take that potential from the potential stage to the reality stage. I want to end with a quote, one of my favorite quotes by Ed Cole, phenomenal writer. He said, God is giving each one of us an opportunity to be one of his few successes 
or one of his thousands of disappointments. God is looking for us to take the opportunities that he has placed in front of us. Your life is potential, but it totally depends on what you put into this. Have you guys enjoyed our Strong Life series? Amen. Let's stand here tonight. If you want some sushi, I do have it up here on stage. Let's pray over our week. God, we're so grateful for your word. God, thank you for this series. God, thank you for challenging us to grow. God, to to have faith, to be faithful with what you have given us, God, to, to work on our thought life, to work on our words, to have a strong prayer life. God, we, we're just so grateful that you didn't put us on this earth to figure it out on our, on our own. God, I pray that each and every person here at CMC would continue to grow each and every day so that we can be a light in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the CMC Podcast. You can stay connected with us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store. For more information and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.